Hello and welcome to the N17 podcast. My name is Cosmo, and tonight we've got the return of Jed. He's going because good. Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. It's it's been a while. When was the last time we had you on? I feel like it's been a few games. Uh, maybe after Burnley, I think. Okay. Yeah, it's been after Burnley because I went. I didn't actually see that game. I went there in Orient that weekend. And I uh, yeah. Like that. yeah, 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 yeah. So well. It's been obviously positive results since then. And we're also, we've got the return of Louis from the Tier household as well. My cousin Hello, and lads. housemate, he's downstairs. We've got, we got Louis as a Spurs correspondent coming in from downstairs. Yeah, recording from downstairs. Uh, <laughs> my first appearance in a while, hoping I'm not too rusty. <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? You all good? All good, all good. Looking forward to getting into this one. It, feel, it actually feels weird like introducing you on zoom knowing that you are literally in the same house as me and like, <laughs> having to be like oh how you doing and all that stuff like <laughs> but we've literally just been talking like <laughs> a minute before in person but exactly. there you go anyway let's let's get into this get into this arsenal game um a, a, a result a draw but it's been very positively received i think by spurs fans um few accusations from the gooners of over celebrating, of over celebrating the draw, uh, there is obviously a huge amount of cognitive dis- dissonance from them when they're saying that because going into it, they were saying like, "Oh, you know, we're we're a great team. We're going to swipe Spurs aside. We're going for the title." So don't understand how, if you're so good, you can then call Spurs shit for getting a draw. I just, I don't really get. I don't really get them. But Jed, it was quite nice to see the likes of Paul Merson and some of the other folk on Twitter sort of redacting their statements that they'd made earlier and saying, well, we didn't actually feel that confident. And then, you know, we turned up and yeah, I thought, I thought maybe we could have squeezed the win out of the end. So did I, I, my abiding feeling coming away from the game was that I really thought we, we should have done. I think those last 10 minutes disappointed me a little bit. I don't want to start on a negative point, but I think they were there for the taking. And I think it was the first time that we kind of saw maybe the limitations of our squad a little bit. Um, and I was saying in the group chat, like, you know, if we're playing like Angeball and we're going attack, 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 I'd love to see us try and nick this in the in the, in the the last 10 minutes. And I thought they were there for the taking. But, you know, overall, Jed, would you say a positive result? Yeah, I think, I think it has to be considered a positive result just because of the fact... Um... If you look at the, the results in the last, what, three, four years, I think Andrew's actually the first manage, uh, manager to avoid defeat to Arteta, Spurs manager, that is. Um, so, and and uh, I think a lot of us were probably, well, a lot of the chat leading up to it was basically that this was a free hit. And for me personally, I could never view the North London derby as a free hit. But I, I got the idea behind that in the sense that they're a lot further along in their project than we are. Um, their squad is obviously a lot more mature than, than ours is. Uh, and we're, we're, we're just six six games into a new era. And although we've we've been really good and um, everything's looking a lot better, I think we 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 knew we were going to go there and try and play our football. And I think a lot of us didn't really... No one really knew how that was going to go. I think mm-hmm. it, we knew we were going to do that and... It was it was always going to be a ballsy approach, but I didn't quite expect us to be as maybe not. Uh, no, I'll say it. we were. We I thought we were quite assertive because there was there were a lot of times in that game where 
we obviously played out the back with ease. There's obviously that that clip going around at the moment where we didn't score, but it ended with Pedro Porro. And I actually think he needs to do a lot better with that cross. I think he, he almost stalls. And if he sort of plays that first time around the corner, I think Sun's there for the tapping. Um, so yeah, they, at, at times they couldn't really deal with the way we played out from the back. And I know they did actually catch us a few times, but I think Ange is going to be so encouraged by the fact that we just didn't let that bother us. I think there's there's a moment um, at one of Ange's old clubs where he basically, the, the same thing basically happened um, where they must have conceded two goals early on from doing that sort of thing. But he still saw his team try and play that way. And we we did that we did that on Sunday, and in one of the most high pressure games of our season, the fact that we still stuck to our stuck to our plan, wanted to play the football that we wanted to play, I think Angie's going to be so encouraged by that. Um, the result would have never mattered for him. Obviously, he would he would want to go there and get a result, but it's all about performance for Ange, and yeah. I think he'll be quite proud of of the performance that we put in there. I feel like um, all three of us have kind of almost have like chronicles of the game because for like different reasons, some of us weren't able to watch all of it. Louis, I'm sure we'll get into this. You were flying back yeah. from from a, a trip to um, Holland where you, for some reason you ended up almost being like mistaken as a celebrity um, and you got to go on the pitch of, was it NEC? Yes. Uh, no, at Hellman Sport. So it was a trip with the boys to the Netherlands. And we went to go watch Hellman Sport on the Friday night and NEC Nijmegen, I think I pronounced that correctly now, um, on the Saturday. And yeah, on the Friday, they, the ticket office were amazed that some English lads had gone to go watch the game. And we just got taken behind the scenes, bought pints throughout the game, shots after the game. It, we were treated like royalty, basically. Um, and you yeah, got to go on, on the pitch as well, didn't you? On the pitch, Before yeah. The game. So we're changing rooms. Yeah, of course, sat in the manager's seat. It was fantastic. It was so good. Honestly, if you're ever around that part of the world, anyone listening, give um, Helmut Sport a go. Fantastic atmosphere as well. What, what was the thing you were saying like when you were on the pitch that you felt a bit cheeky to ask? But Yeah. I would I would have loved to have asked, to you know, can you go out the back, grab us a ball, and we'll just take some shots. <laughs> it, was, it, was an, it was an AstroTurf pitch, but I would have loved to you know whipped one in from like 30 yards. It had been pissing it down all day, though. That's the only thing. I probably would have inevitably like sl- like slipped on my ass, but it, it, it was great. It was great, yeah. So, so that's basically why Louis couldn't watch the first half of the derby. But yeah, yeah stuck in an since, since uh, being clued up on it. But Jed, I just I I, I um, missed probably. I think I saw the first five minutes and then I mi- missed the next thirty minutes. I actually thought we started in the f- in the first five minutes looking really good. Um, I think we definitely, with Johnson's inclusion as well, I really like the fact that we did pack a real sort of like punch going in behind against them. And there were a few times I was like, oh, like we're actually getting into some decent positions. What I've heard from like listening to the podcast and, and whatnot was that the next half an hour after that, we were really under the cosh. Um, do you think we did well to get through that? Yeah, definitely. Because I think, again if you look at previous North London derbies. And actually, this this one kind of followed suit in the sense that we always seem to go there and concede a fucking shit goal. And yeah. obviously that, that happened with Romero. Um, but I think this time round, what was different to previous games is the fact that we managed to really ride that storm out. 
and especially certain players where you can see they're having a torrid time. And Udogi was having a torrid time against Saka. He obviously got booked really early on. Um, he sort of played a bit of a lazy back pass to Van der Ven, which wasn't really to Van der Ven. And you could see that he wasn't expecting it, which obviously that was the one that the Nketiah were in and Vicario made a good save from. So I think obviously being a young player, your first sort of five, six games in the league, um, first proper experience of a North London derby, me personally, I, I was I was on the group chat and I was saying, boys, we we have to get him off because he's he's rattled here and he's going to get sent off or something. Um, so yeah, I thought he he did really well to come through that. And actually, one thing I love is is the spirit from the players, especially Vicario, because you see that mistake from Romero, and instead of everyone looking around and saying, well, "What the fuck are we doing?" because Really, Saka shouldn't have been allowed inside to to make that shot. He had far too much space. Romero made that lazy attempt of a clearance. But Vicario was like, get your head up. It's cool. We're, we're, we're playing our stuff. We're still in this. And I think that was quite important because our heads didn't drop. Um, Basuma as well. I thought Basuma struggled quite a bit in the first half. I think one thing, don't get me wrong, Basuma's been brilliant this season. Obviously, one of our best players. But I do think there's times where he's a little bit lapsed on the ball. I think he thinks he has a lot more time than he does. Um, and again, he, he, he had that dodgy first half and managed to come through it. And the second half, he was, from what I saw anyway, it's cramped around a tiny phone, but, um, he, he really picked up in the second half and maybe it was just adjusting to it. Maybe it was just adjusting to the atmosphere because I know going away to Arsenal, they really do seem to get up for it. Um, but again, considering the the young team we had out there, a lot of players' first experience of a North London derby, I thought they sort of held their own. Yeah, you mentioned Vicario there. I think he's been such a revelation since he came in. Um, you know, in pre-season, let's be honest, like he did look pretty shaky. Like he genuinely yeah. looked like he couldn't save a ball. And then as soon as the season started, I suppose he was a bit wobbly against Brentford. But... He just seems really solid. And there was a lot of saves in that game. I was just thinking, like, there's no way Lloris is is making that save. I think if Lloris was in goal for that match, genuinely could have held five. Yeah. Yeah, There's two great saves, wasn't there? There's one from Jesus and then one from Nketiah later on as well in the first half. And he did so well. And I think, you know, he was a bit shaky against Brentford, but even with that, was it Van der Ven own goal? In the first game. I think yeah. he was a bit unlucky with that as well. He didn't really have much of a choice. But yeah, he's been so solid since he's come in, especially in the Prem. Yeah, and you know, in terms of in terms of growing into Angeball, in terms of like a really together performance from us, um well I just wanted to talk about some of the players that, that stood out. Um you've got obviously James Madison, so influential, especially in the first goal. Um, I, I suppose actually we should talk about Saka's antics a little bit. Yeah. Um, I must admit, I thought it was quite weird. I know the whole sort of like nature of footballers banter is something that's almost like a bit unknown to us and it is quite strange. But I, I, I did think it was a bit strange to take that banter into like the biggest game you're literally going to play all season and taking someone's celebration when you score against them, like that, maybe I'm a sensitive yeah. guy, but that's, that seems like something that I'd be like, all right, mate, like let's, yeah, let's I agree. Not fucking Especially, do this. 
I know they're mates at England camp and uh, England camp and whatnot, but I thought doing it in the game that he's playing against that team that's a weird one to do. If he was playing, I don't know, say Everton and he did it, it's a bit of banter between them both. But actually doing it whilst they're playing and it's only you know an hour into the game it was a strange one. And like you said, yeah, if you know if you're a bit more sensitive, that would definitely wind you up. <laughs> Jeff, what did you make of it? Uh. Yeah, at the time I was kind of with you guys. I thought, yes, it is a bit weird. Like, that's your boy. Um, you shouldn't really be doing that. But like, I think really, if he if he was to do it in a game that wasn't against Spurs, it wouldn't really make sense. I yeah, think, that's true. I do feel like I think they those two done like an interview together when they were at England last time. Um, so they seem to have got quite close. So maybe it was just like a little joke between them that they knew the game was coming up. They said, "Oh yeah, if I score, I'm gonna do your celebration or whatever it was." I'd rather that sort of banter than that that yeah. air quotes banter that fucking Callum Wilson and Mikel Antonio. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. They're uh, they're having on their little shitty podcast. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not really that bothered about that one to be honest. And it, it probably helps that I don't actually mind Saka that much. I think if it was someone like Jesus or, I don't know, Declan Rice, maybe I'd be a bit more vexed. I don't know, man. I think I've gone right off him after that. Like, really? not that I ever liked him, but yeah, I don't it's know. Just a lack of it was just quite, quite it? small time, really. Yeah. It just, was, it, it did wind me up. There was a moment early on in the game where I think it might have been after the Udogi challenge when, um, when he got that yellow card on Saka, I think it was, and Madison sort of tried to pull Saka up, and. Um, mm. I don't think Saka liked it. He sort of turned around. And I don't know if he went to push Madison, uh, or, but or he said something. He didn't look. He didn't look happy with him. Um, so maybe that sort of added a little bit to it at the time for me. But after I was like, you know what? They're probably good mates. It's, it's really not that deep. Yeah, yeah. I, I also felt like Madison had the last laugh anyway with yeah, his interview just, yeah. afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With this been so you know, and we got, and to be honest, we got the better result. I think two two away at the Emirates. So mm. in the end. We did the job. It was just like, it was just a quality piece of play from Madison. Like, I can't really remember us having a player that creative possibly ever in our lifetimes. I know it's, I know it's early. He's only played, we've only played six Premier League games, but I've heard a few people say this, like Ericsson was an amazing number 10, very, very creative, but he was a classic number 10 in the sense that he's just someone who's going to play passes. Um, which is a great asset to have. But to have someone who can not only play the pass, but also dribble like Madison can, um, it's remarkable. And right now, I feel like the only thing stopping him is potentially an injury. Uh, I almost feel like this is his level now. I, I, I kind of I think he can keep this up. And if he can, we're going to have a world-class player on our hands. He's a champions. He's a Champions League. I was about to say Championship. <laughs> he's a Champions League level player. Um, we're very lucky to have picked him up, and I think he's going to be one of the main factors as to how we qualify and get top four this season. Um, it's unbelievable how easily he's slotted into that team as well, and just become the main focal point, especially when we needed someone to replace Harry Kane as well. I think you're, what you say is right there, Cosmo. As well, I know. People are obviously rushing to draw the comparisons with him and Ericsson, but I think you're completely right. And I think this is almost why I had a bit bit of reservation about him joining, is because he's maybe not necessarily a throwback 10, but he's he's a sort of number 10 
and maybe not even a 10 because he's actually performing really well in a number eight role at the moment. Um, But his, his characteristics are that of like a 10 that I thought was dying out over the last five years. Um, I didn't think there was room for sort of players. I I almost viewed him, viewed him as a luxury player. Um, But since he's come, he's just shown that he's got so much more to his game than I actually realized. And like I said, I thought that sort of, I thought that his sort of style of player was was sort of dying out in this era, um, but he's he's just he seems to have got. Again, I didn't watch Leicester much, but for me personally, it feels like he's gone to another level since coming to Spurs. And it's been mentioned on the pod a couple of times before, but I think that the him having that responsibility that Andrew's given him, um, I think that's actually been a massive part of it. Would you say he's the the undisputed talisman of the team, or? Is that still Sonny, given Sonny's experience? And given the fact that Sonny got two goals, and I feel like, again, the Kane effect is kicking in a little bit with Sonny, where like it's sort of normalised. Um, rather, uh, To be fair, I do think people did celebrate Son getting two goals, but I didn't really hear many shouts for like Son was man of the match, whereas I think he scored two really great finishes. And for a striker, what more can you ask? But... Do you think Madison's the talisman or is it Son or is it maybe another answer? I don't know. Sorry, I was, was going to let you go there. I feel like I've been <laughs> yeah, too... I was, about, I, was about to say, I was about to say, I still think, you know, you're ignoring one very important player there, Emerson Royale. <laughs> Highest Leading from the bench. Rate. <laughs> Highest complete, uh, pass completion rate in the league. Just, yeah, nah, I'm joking. I still think, I see Son as the talisman of the team. Um, already picked up five goals this season and I'm, I'm hoping he can hit the same heights that he got to a couple of seasons ago and maybe, you know, maybe challenge Harlan before the golden boot this year. How many goals, like, he must be getting quite close to the amount of Premier League goals he scored last season already. I've, I feel, yeah, he got in 10, my head, he got 10 last season. He got 10. I'm actually surprised he even got 10. Genuinely thought he got about seven. So he's halfway there in, in six games. Yeah, yeah. unbelievable. I think I think what's what's good as well is that, um, and I think this is probably why we didn't see many shouts for him being man of the match, is because on well on Sunday he he didn't really have much for me personally. Again, I only really saw properly the first half, but I feel like he didn't have that much involvement overall in the game, um, and I think that's more of a general thing that Ange is doing with him as a striker. Anyway, I think he done that with. Um, it's named Kyogo at Celtic, where the striker doesn't really have much involvement in the in the in the game. They're they're mainly there as a box present box presence into stretch of defenders, and I think that does really suit Son. I, I think his special sort of ability is is being able to find space in the box and obviously running behind defenders and sort of something I didn't realize he really had because I think with a lot of Son's goals. You see, he takes his time and almost sets himself for that finesse into one of the corners. But with with his first goal, especially, I, I really liked the way he managed to find that space in, in a really, really tight box. There was a lot of Arsenal players around him. And even when the ball came to him, it came at him quite quick. He didn't really have much time to adjust his feet, but he found he found the one spot where Raya wouldn't get to it. And if he can start adding those sort of finishes to his game as well, He's going to easily get 20 to 25 goals this season. And like remarkably, that's officially his weak foot for that finish. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
Jed, I'm glad you touched on it because I just think that goal at the time was really underrated. Um, yeah. And it's only when you watch it back, you're like, "That's he's not just scored from a cutback there. The ball's almost behind him. He's just mm. feathered it in, like you say, into the only place where Raya can't get it. He's gone off the post. It's just, it's so precise. And I feel like the weird thing about losing Kane for a hundred million and, you know, we had so many conversations being like, we can't replace this guy. Um, it, yeah, it's basically impossible to replace someone like Kane. Son now looks like a striker that you would buy for between 80 and 100 million. And we just had him sitting there. Um, obviously, he was playing on the left, but it's it's not luck because it was great recruitment to bring Son in the first place and then give him the contracts to stay at the club. Um, but yeah, I just... Uh, I just feel I just I just love Sonny man I'm so glad he's the captain as well and like the fact yeah. that he shushed the Arsenal fans on those two goals as well it's kind of got that dog in him a, a little bit <laughs> it's beautiful it's beautiful to see and on that second one he did the shushing right where Rafa van der Vaart did his one as well yeah. basically the, the, the identical spot which is just yeah a great throwback Jed what, what do you make of him in this in this leadership role yeah, I love it, man. I think I think us we touched on it um, last time I was on the pod. We sort of spoke how I thought it was a masterstroke for Manage because I think he really meshes the whole dressing room together in the sense that if a new player signs, you know it's going to be Sun. Even before he was captain, you knew it was going to be Sun's take on that that sort of role of bringing them into the squad and properly making them feel at home. Um, and I think in that sense, it was a no-brainer to make him the captain. I think he get, he obviously gets on well with everyone. He's he's obviously our best player when Kane left. So in that sense, it sort of made sense as well. Um, and yeah, I think, listen, two, three years ago, you I think you guys knew my thoughts on Sun. Um, obviously, I loved him <laughs> and I loved what he'd done for Spurs. But I think... I'm starting to see what you were seeing years ago now, Cosy, where he is so much better as a forward, as, as a as a striker, sorry. Um, and I do think he was getting a little bit stale out for him on the, on the left, only because, again, managers that didn't really pay, play to his strengths, obviously he did well under Jose and he did have a good spell under Conte. But I think largely over the last four or five years, you've sort of seen where he definitely does have his limitations out wide. And for me, before this season and maybe the uh, last season, I was saying we probably should have cashed in on him before Kane. But now, like, it's since this season, and maybe it's just because it's it's good vibes all around, but, like, I'm I'm fully back in love with Son again. I don't know why why it ever stops, but, like, maybe it's the shush in the Arsenal fans. (laughs) Maybe it's just the role he's got now in general, but, like, I never want him to leave. I never want him to leave. Lifetime contract for him. I've seen (laughs) him looking about extending his contract again already. I'm happy with that. Oh, let's I'm do it. Put him on a four-year yeah. deal until he's 35, man. Let's do it, man. Because you were a real early campaigner for Son playing up top. Because mm. you've been saying that for years. Boys, I, I, this is not the first time I've, I've been told it. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this coming back to uh, <laughs> I'm loving this praise. I can't, I can't lie. Like, is, it, it was actually quite clear all along that like, he had the he he had the characteristic characteristics to do it. I just don't think we got to see it as much as we w- probably wanted but to. The, the thing is, it was impossible to do while Kane was there because Kane yeah. was such 
a brilliant striker, but then also he was p- perhaps a bit of a black hole in a way. He had so much power and it kind of comes back to the, um, oh, why is the name, the effect of that basketball player leaving? I can't remember what it's called. It's this theory Ewing, that when you Ewing, lose Ewing the theory. Ewing effect, the Ewing effect. I think looking back on it, I think Kane almost was like a, a bit of a black hole in terms of, and we, we've touched on it before, like people weren't um, stepping up in his absence. And I think where I really like got onto this theory of Son being a striker was when Kane was really getting injured under Poch. Sonny would go up front and the whole team would look better. The whole, we tweak the formation slightly. People would try a lot more and Sonny would always deliver. I'll never forget that game under Jose where um, he got those two goals against Villa when he had the broken arm. That was a captain's performance looking back on yeah, it. That yeah, is yeah. like, that's the Son that we're seeing now um, back then. And yeah. I remember saying at the time, I said it on the pod, that we could cope with Kane's absence while Son was there. But then once he came out, the son had broken his arm and he was going to be out for like six weeks. I was like, the season is done. Yeah. It's done. I, I genuinely think son's been probably near to Kane's level for a very long time. And I think a lot of people haven't given him the credit that he deserves for that. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think he's great. And like, with regards to that, it does seem like all three of us are quite sold on the idea of him being the main striker um for the record I actually do like the idea of when we play a more physical team maybe swapping them out with Richarlison um yeah but I have seen some whispers because I think it's much more Arsenal and Chelsea being the front runners of us signing Ivan Tony or at least being interested do we not think we'd be better off just spending that money on a winger and then sticking with Sonny and potentially Richarlison up there yeah, would you go for like an Eze over a Tony, potentially? Cost a similar amount of money. And Eze on that left with Son on top would be unreal. Yeah, completely agree. I think I think that the the team almost needs a, a ceiling raiser on the uh, on one of the wings. I think Sun like for the level uh Sun's performing at now, I don't really think it's necessary to go out and spend eighty, ninety million on a on a striker. Um Especially like like I said the other week, when you've got two different sort of profiles of striker already, yeah, Richarlison might not be at the level we want him at at the moment, but I do believe over the course of the season, he's obviously going to get a lot of minutes, and I do think he will prove himself. Um, so I think for me, yeah, I'm, I'm completely completely with you guys. I'd rather go out and spend that whatever it's going to be, sixty, seventy million on a really really good one v one winger who's going to be able to take his man on. I'm not going to say the term we hate, Cosy. Um, <laughs> Thank you. For not, for not uh, saying that. <laughs> I would never say that. Don't worry. Um, yeah, because I, I I do think there's obviously so like well, obviously before the game going to the Emirates, I was looking at that front three, and although I like the front three and I like the sort of profile of attackers we have, it almost seems a bit too light to go away to these big teams and sort of try and get a win. And listen, I'm not saying that like the players are the most important thing. I think obviously the system is the most important thing and Ange can coach these players as well. But it does seem like we're sort of missing that bit of star quality on one of the wings, I think. Obviously, Kulisevsky is actually starting to grow into this role a little bit more now and I think he's performing a bit better. But 
I think we just need one more really, really high quality winger. Um, and this could be a whole nother, a whole nother level. Completely agree, because I think one of the reasons people say that Postacoglu hasn't had to settle in at Spurs is because he's never worked with players of this quality. We were coming out the back end of last season saying that we need a big squad refresh, and he's done it with a lot of the... Okay, he's had some sign-ins, but a lot of the spare parts as well. Um, imagine if you throw a world-class win- winger into there, the difference that's going to make um, for Postacoglu. Yeah, yeah, and I think... In terms of just the starting eleven, this it's sort of only really the 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 one gap that I can look at at the moment. I don't really look at uh, any of the squad and think, yeah, we're obviously we're we're light in terms of depth in some positions, but like in terms of like starting quality, I think the whole squad um, it looks strong. It looks strong, and I, I think that. I think that um, that Johnson injury as well is a bit of a shame at the time it's come. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how long is that for. Is it hamstring injury? So I'm assuming it'd be like a month to maybe six weeks. But yeah, yeah if you look at the bench after he's out, the, the options there aren't, yeah, aren't incredible. I mean, we're talking Solomon, um, Brian Hill when he's back could maybe yeah. have a good impact in that team. Might be a player that Ange likes. Similar yeah. profiles like a Kyogre or a Hadzate at um, Celtic. Yeah, no, it's, it's I, I, I completely forgot about Hill. But, I agree. I do think if he comes back and if he's feeling good, I think he could really impress Ange. The only thing with him is that obviously he doesn't he he doesn't really have the physical side. Um whether that matters so much or not, because he, he, he has shown shown in glimpses for us that as as a dribbler, he's he's really effective. Um so yeah, I think I I, I hope he can he can come in and sort of show Ange what he can do, because I do really like Brian Hill. Yeah, and he, had, he was actually pretty good for Sevilla as well. I remember catching a few of their games when they were on that Europa League run. It, he was effective. Um, but yeah, what worries me is if it's Hill on one wing and Kulisevsky on the other, I just see an absolute black hole of pace. Like There's just no yeah. pace there at all, apart from yeah. Sonny running in behind. It's quite slow to have two wingers um, who are that slow, basically. Um, but... Just before we go to the break, um, I guess we would be remiss not to touch on the the refereeing in this game. Um, yeah, the Enketia red card. I mean, I literally as soon as I saw that. Oh. I mean, listeners that listened last week will know that I watched it with quite a lot of gooners. I I, I almost felt like gaslit because I was straight away being like. <laughs> That's a fucking red. That's a that is a stonewall red. Like I, I genuinely don't think you can see a red. That's that's like something that should be in the textbook for a red card. And then like I just hear Gary Neville being like, and the commentary being like, oh, that's that's quite bad. That, but yeah, no, it's a yellow. And yeah. the reasoning seems to be that he hasn't completely destroyed Vicario's leg. I mean. <laughs> well, what, actually, what I found out the reasoning. It was that VR did check the challenge but the decision was that a yellow card was sufficient because the challenge came from Enketia's other leg which was tucked into the ground and if Enketia had had led into the challenge of his leading foot he would have seen red don't they always say those challenges are the most dangerous though because that trailing leg is the one that can basically snap and Emerson did the same thing in the North London derby last year and got sent off red card instant Emerson's what no the thing is Emerson's was completely different he he looked like he just went to well, run towards the ball 
and all right, it, it didn't look great, and accidentally trod on Martinelli. Enketi yeah. is about yeah. two, three seconds late. He's like, yeah, fully taken control. It, yeah, it's completely out of control. It's completely out. Even and Ian it, Wright said on match the day afters, it's almost like out of frustration because he'd had a poor game or missed a couple of chances. Yeah. There, there was vengeance behind that um, that challenge. I, I remember yeah. having a complete row with, um, it was especially Eddie. Jed, I can't remember. Maybe it was, yeah, it wouldn't have been you, Jed. It was Eddie and Glenn. You know, we know Glenn loves to stand up for referees. Glenn Union. Yeah, I was like, I was like, I'm sorry, I'm just not having that Emerson red card. I know this was over a year ago now, but oh, I still I don't. You were watching it live together, me and you. Yes, we're yes. In the, um, we're in, the, in the hot poles. Yeah, the hot poles. Yeah. yeah. I and remember we were... saying, I remember saying, I'm going to walk out. This that pub is, this is a fucking disgrace. Like, yeah. and then again. I feel like the media coverage, well, fucking I'm about to sound like Russell Brand here, but media coverage <laughs> of, of Spurs, it does inform people's opinions so much. And I feel yeah. like people would just be like, oh yeah, because Gary Neville's made a noise being like, mm, it's quite bad. It's not a red card. What the fuck are you watching, guys? <laughs> Genuinely, use your own fucking eyes. I don't, I just, oh, it just pisses me off no end. Um the penalty, I, I think we got quite unlucky on it. Uh, we've got less than a minute left. Um, but yeah. I think I it think, takes I a think, deflection. I think I think if, if that's if that's us the other way around, we're screaming for that. Probably. Um, yeah. It's one of yeah. those like Yeah, I don't know what you really want him to do with his hand. It's in a natural position. But I think he's he's literally stopped it from going in. So like I can But see is there that. an argument for the Ben White handball beforehand and then we've got a fella on the line as well who could have potentially cleared it? Yeah, possibly. You just know that once they slow that shit down and they run up to yeah. that screen, never get an overturn. That's the no. that's the thing. When it's paused, True. it looks like a blatant handball, but when you watch it in real time, it doesn't. Uh would that get given at Sunday League? I don't know. I don't know. I just yeah, we need to get rid of VAR. It's just ridiculous. But um, let's go. Let's go to a, a break now, and we'll come back to preview a massive test in Liverpool. Hello, and welcome back to part two. Um, I, I think I was a bit cut off on on saying that we're going to jump into Liverpool, uh, into the Liverpool game, but um, <clears throat> yeah, a I, I know if Eddie was here, he would his exact words would be it's a very cursed fixture. Um, yep. Just thinking back down the years, like. I think Liverpool highlights is one of or highlights of Spurs against Liverpool is one of the most triggering things. I'd like take even putting the Champions League final aside, just so much bullshit has happened in matches against them. Even all the way back to the days of Carl Walker in probably like twenty twelve. That guy now obviously is <laughs> what, thirty-three or whatever. He he's arguably in his prime. But he was good for he was a good player for Spurs. Let's 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 not let's not get it wrong. And he was playing through balls for Felipe Coutinho to go through <laughs> on goal. Like And then the the last game against Liverpool when we watched it at my dad's and um I think it was Richarlison scored that last minute equaliser. Yeah. And then Lucas did the, basically the same thing that Carl Walker did and played the through ball through to Jota to score in the winner in like the ninety fifth minute or wherever it was. I genuinely think there's some kind of curse on it because I remember there was yeah. a stat for ages. I think this is at Anfield. I think at Anfield, we've only won twice since the Titanic sunk. 
So I don't know what happened wow. with that boat. I don't I don't know what was going on there, but some kind of freaky curse was was released. And even when we did beat them, when we beat them four one at home, well at Wembley, that then proceeded them <laughs> hugely overtaking us when we mm. were level with them, and us kind of going the other way and disintegrating under Poch uh, eventually. Um, Jed, any any personal low lights from Liverpool games down the years? Let's just fucking start. <laughs> I think one of the lowest is John Flanagan scoring against us, to be honest. I don't even remember that. When, when uh, it might have been under Sherwood or AVB when they beat us 5-1 at um, well, Art Lane. Uh, yeah, I just remember John Flanagan arriving late in the box and hitting one off the off the crossbar, I think it was. Um, but yeah, uh, this is this is one of the games that fits into my Barkley script narrative because no matter what happens every year, you can guarantee that we're going to go away to Arsenal and never win. And you can guarantee we're never going to beat Liverpool. Um, <laughs> it's the game I probably look forward to the least every year just because we just, it, it, we just can't seem to, can't seem to beat them. And every time we do play them, maybe not every time, but at least one out of the two fixtures a year, there's some bullshit happening. Um, I think it was it last year or the year before where Eric Dyer just played little, little headed through ball to Salah. Yeah. Uh, Couple of years ago uh, at Anfield, where Sissoko went not one on one, one versus two against Van Dijk, and still managed to put it out of stadium. Larice parrying it into Alderweireld, and him just oh, yeah. right off the line. So I think whatever happens, you can guarantee there's going to be some bullshit. And I think looking looking. F- well, a couple of weeks ago, I was, I was looking at this game and I was thinking, this is the game where I think we could really get hurt just because of that high line um, and their pace out wide with Salah and Diaz and, and Nunes. I think that front three could be a bit of a mismatch for us. Um, but that being said, after the Arsenal performance, I do feel a lot more confident. Um, not Not necessarily to beat them, but I just think now as well that there could be something happening at home for us. I think, whereas before I feel like our stadium should have been a sort of a fortress for us. I just think because of the bad vibes, we haven't really been able to generate that sort of atmosphere. Um, And I think along with the, obviously the team performances and the confidence building from the team at the moment, I think the energy that the fans can bring to the stadium on the weekend, I actually think it could be one of those games where we might be able to nick it um, just because just because everyone's together and Anne seems to have really galvanised the fan base. And for once, I'm actually really looking forward to the game. Um, now, listen, you know, you know, it takes a fucking lot for me that, to that's, be positive that's, about <laughs> yeah. I, I'm getting freaked out now. <laughs> listen, this you is this a jinx? Is this a potential jinx? You wouldn't hear me talk about this before Luton at home let alone Liverpool. Um, but yeah, I'm just really happy with where the, where the team is at the moment. And even if we don't win, it's, it's the facts that on the weekend, just gone, it was probably the most <laughs> excited yet, like ridiculously nervous I've ever been for a North London derby. And that's because it just seems to matter so much now. 
back at like the last three, four years, like obviously I, I was still watching North London Derby, but like I never really felt that connection to the team. Whereas now I'm so connected to the team. I'm so happy with the manager that I go into these big games and I'm just so excited to watch us play. And I'm really, really up for it every week now. Um, yeah, I, I just feel like, I really feel like we could, we could, we could do something special. I actually, um, I feel like I get withdrawal symptoms from watching Spurs at the moment. Um, <clears throat> like there's so much football on the TV and like Louis, I'd say you're more of a watcher of sort of like random games than I tend yeah. to be in. Like now I, I can only think I'm just like, I just don't want to watch this. I just want to watch. Yeah. There's like, the a, there's like a random game on like last week. It might've even been like a Europa League game that I'd stuck on. And I remember you just saying that I, I don't care unless it's Spurs. I don't really want to watch it. Same. But I agree. I agree. It's quite boring watching other teams. I can't stick a Chelsea game on. I don't really want to watch United play. Like it, we're playing such good football at the moment. I can't. That's the type of football I want to see week in, week out. And I don't have time for anything else. It is a bit of a cruel joke that it's the time and just come in is when the, it's the first time in what since two thousand and nine that we haven't been in some form of European competition because I would just love to be able to like watch it twice a week at the moment. But yeah, yeah. but to be fair, like what if we were in the Conference League, do you think we would have started this season as well? Who knows, man? It would it would have been disruptive, definitely. Mm-hmm. I do think the time on the training ground has helped helped Andrew a lot. Um, I like the idea this, of the more games though we've been in Europe because it'll be easier to get tickets whilst we have to wait, yeah. you know, once per yeah. week and they're all selling out so quick. To your point though, Cosy, um, and I don't know if other Spurs fans are feeling the way that we're feeling with that, like, I just want to watch Spurs. I don't really care about other teams. I wonder if there's like a psychology to it now where because all of a sudden like rival fans are like, oh yeah, I really, I really like Andrew. I really want him to succeed. We're almost just like fuck off. I don't want to associate myself with any other football, yeah. any other fans. Like I just want this to be. Listen, Spurs fans get get grilled for this year in year out about being Spursy, all that sort of bullshit. So don't now try and jump on the bandwagon just because you like our manager. Let us just have this moment. <laughs> I don't want to hear your opinions about Spurs. I just want to enjoy this. Us, us as Spurs fans, not everyone else trying to hype us up just so we can, when we, when we, if we lose to Liverpool in the weekend, they're going to be like, oh yeah, well that's, that's typical Spurs, ain't it? It was about time they got pegged down a notch or two. I just, me personally as a Spurs fan, I don't, I don't care about the rest of the footballing world at the minute. They all had too much to say at the beginning of the season when we weren't even in anyone's top eight or top nine. Now they want to be like, oh yeah, maybe we were wrong. Well, you never wanted to give Van a chance, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> Well, well said. Well said. I, yeah, I do feel like it, we are in such a bubble right now because there is part of me, and I, I do think if we didn't have Andrew's manager, say we did make that curse, that cursed appointment, and we had someone like Tuchel in charge, I probably would still be watching like Chelsea games and being like, oh, I really want Potts to fail, blah blah blah. Yeah. I just don't care. Just I don't care about anyone else apart from us at the moment, and. I do wonder if part of it is almost like, is this a thing that could kick in later in the season where say we are like really up there and we are fighting, are we going to get that anxiety back of, oh, we need this team to drop points. We need blah, 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 because 
I remember that becoming almost like a bit of like hellish anxiety ridden um, existence under Poch when we were going for titles. Like when you'd have to watch like Leicester games and be like, oh, please, can they drop points? And also that feeling of like, please, can we not lose? Please, can we not draw? Like it was only about like the relief of getting a win rather than like actually enjoying it. Do you think because the football's so good under Ange, we're not going to get that? Or do you think that's something that could kick in if we are continuing this form? Is it worth going through that and sacrificing maybe your own mental health for us to have an amazing season and actually eventually win something? Oh, I know, I know we're limited in terms of like trophies that we're in, but you know, we could squeeze an FA Cup. Maybe I'm getting carried away, but you know. But the way we started, the title's not completely out of reach. But don't get me wrong, I don't think we're title challengers just yet. But it's been a fantastic start. And yeah, it, it's, it's horrible. I know what you mean. Like you're waiting every week, watching the Leicester games, watching the Chelsea games, just making sure that, you know, they drop points. Or, and yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's, it's a horrible feeling. But if we did actually squeeze something, that'd be incredible and well worth going through that. I think the. Um... Because I'm with you, Lou. I'm I am starting to dream a little bit. Because I feel like that's that's in the nature of Spurs fans. It's like difficult get, not get to. It's difficult lot. not to. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we get shot on a lot. Um, but I, I do feel like one of the good things about being a Spurs fan, I, I do feel like we are kind of in a weird way. We are eternal optimists. Um, there's always a thing of like, oh, maybe we could do something this year. Um, and I do quite like that. But the concerning thing about going against City. It's the fact that we've had an amazing start to the season. We're four points behind yeah. them. We haven't put a foot wrong. I yeah, I, I don't think we need to... Listen, it's, it's obviously... It's good to be optimistic, but I don't think we... <laughs> we should stress out about having to chase City. Like, Liverpool fucking lost one game all season and got 98 points and still didn't win a league title. I think, like, us having literally two senior centre-backs, I don't consider that one. And having Ben <laughs> yeah. Davis's backup for Udogi isn't going to be the teams of Dallas <laughs> City for a title, but maybe. So you're not ruling it out. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Um, it's only one game a week. Yeah, Leicester listen, did it. Yeah. Chelsea did it. Yeah, possibly, possibly. And look, City, City have obviously got quite a few injuries. Um, Oh, he's talking himself into it. Yeah, I'm loving this, <laughs> loving this optimism. Rod- Rodri's out. Rodri's out for a couple games. Of course, one of them's Arsenal. But um, who knows? Oh. Who knows? We beat Liverpool in the weekend. People will start talking. And listen, I don't want them to talk. I want Spurs fans to talk. Let Spurs fans talk. Let us stream. And listen, we'll see where we go. Uh, for me personally, going into the season, I thought at this point we would be comfortably sitting where Chelsea were sitting, and. I'm just so happy that obviously things have managed to click so quickly. Um, the the new signings are sort of bedded in seamlessly. Um, so yeah, I think I think that is sort of even if we go on a bit of a rough rough run for three four games, wherever it's going to be, I think this start to the season has given Spurs fans the optimism that like we'll get through it because Andrew's already shown that we 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 can play football. Um, so yeah, I think let's let's just let's just take things one step at a time. And I do, while while Spurs fans are obviously getting excited with the could we talk and all that, I do f- still think we are 
taking it one step at a time. Like I said, I heard a lot yeah. of talk in the North London derby saying it's a free hit. Um, and and look, that's fine. That's fine. We we obviously know it's still very early days. So let's sort of just enjoy it. Enjoy it for the moment. We've had a really good start. Um, let's sort of see where it goes up until like Christmas. I do yeah. think I if we think... beat Liverpool, I think expectations will go mental. Yeah. But yeah. that, that being said, that is that is also true. Like, yeah. But I was going to say, I think the Fulham Cup game, not to bring up bad memories, um, was a bit of a reality check as well in terms of squad depth. I know yeah. we brought in a couple of players after that and there's a few of the you know, stinkers that have gone. But it, for me, it just shows that if, if a couple of players, some of our big like guys aren't starting, um, we could struggle even against you know these lower Prem teams. With no disrespect to Fulham, I know they've had a good start and we've actually got them in a couple of weeks, but um, it's it's good to not get kept too carried away, like you're saying, Jed, and just sort of take it game by game. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I think, you know, the the baseline is mad that I'm even saying this, but I still think the baseline is probably, I think we can get top four and let's just see where yeah. we can go from there because I do think... Well, saying that, I was going to say a lot of the teams that we expect to be strong are, are, are quite weak, but it's only really Chelsea that look awful. Um, like genuinely, if they didn't have those three teams at the bottom, they look like they could get relegated this season. Um, but I think, you know, Newcastle, I like to write them off. I like to slag them off a lot. I don't, I don't like their squad. <laughs> I don't like the, the, I don't like the manager at all. I don't like the football they play, but. They have started strongly. Brighton um, are just a massive yeah. points. They look like they'll be a, a threat for top four. Liverpool, I was expecting them to drop off a bit um, going into the season. People saying that they're going to be the closest uh, challengers to City. And Arsenal, obviously, are still very good. So we could maybe not even put much of a foot wrong and still finish outside the top four. So... You know, it is yeah. important to keep our expectations kind of checkered a bit. Would you would you rule United out at this stage? Because obviously I've got a few mates Ooh, at work yeah, I forgot who about them. United fans that I'd put a bit of a wager on as well, but Spurs will finish above them this season. Um, and obviously I, I actually cheekily said to both the lads um, this week, do you want do you want to cash in early? And I'll half the odds. <laughs> but they're, they're still confident that we're going to slip up at some stage. And I actually prefer that mentality rather than, like Jeb was saying, everyone backing us ready for the inevitable fall. Um, I kind of like that they're maybe writing us off at this stage to keep Jed, that underdog status. Yeah, Jed, what what, what do you think? You, you you seem to be shaking your head as in you're not ruling United out. Oh, no, no, no. I, don't, I won't rule United out. I listen, I don't, I don't think they're particularly great at the moment. But I didn't think they were particularly great last season. Although, like, the quality of the league was... Maybe I say maybe not as good. All the teams we've mentioned were sort of there and thereabouts last year anyway. Um they sort of still managed to get into top four. So I think sometimes United just find a way. And I think they will sort of start to pick it up a bit, obviously, once some new signings start to bed in a little bit like Amrabat and whoever else they signed. Um but if look, if we don't make top four, obviously it'd be great to make top four. But even just seeing us back in Europe again, if we made it into Europa League, I think next season we could have a real, real crack at that as well. Like I know every season we go into like the Conference League or Europa League, we we just seem to think, 
and probably rightly so that we were the favourites for it just because we had Son and Kane. But now we actually want to play football. We're not, we're hopefully not going to go away to teams in fucking arse end of Lithuania and try and counter-attack them. Um, so I would feel even even next year, like Europa League could be a laugh for us and we could really do something serious in it. And it, 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 again, I've said it plenty of times in the last couple of years, Europa League's a serious competition now. There's good teams in it. There's going to be some good matchups. And I don't feel no way about being in that competition no more. I think it's quite a reputable com- competition now, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I definitely agree with that. Right. Um, I think just to finish on, um, we got a couple of questions from Aaron. I didn't put a shout out uh, <laughs> on the social. So this is just Aaron asking a few questions. He, he couldn't make it tonight, but he said, um, why do I, bracket Spurs fans, have more of an attachment and feel more strongly towards Delhi when I see old club clips than I do for Kane? It's, is that, is that is he talking for all Spurs fans there? What, what do you guys think? Is it almost with what Delhi's been through afterwards? The nostalgia stronger compared to Kane, especially Kane just leaving. I don't know. Yeah. Will, will we in 10, 20 years reflect the same? I'm not sure. I kind of think with Kane, it does feel like I'm saying this is like a salty ex, but <laughs> I, I kind of never really felt. S- so emotionally invested as a lot of people did in him. There was always something a yeah. little bit missing there. Um, well, I guess the season he nearly went to City as well um, sort of had a big impact on us, especially you, Cosmo. Um, for example, <laughs> when we were opposite the Tottenham Stadium and you wouldn't order one of the one of our own beers. <laughs> Almost as a single single man protest. It was, it was a single man protest that had no effect whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. It's like I'm literally paying probably the same amount of money drinking essentially. You're buying a beaver town anyway. <laughs> yeah, but I just couldn't bear to be like, yeah, I'm gonna have one of our own after he betrayed us and dragged our name through the mud like that, walking around the <laughs> golf course with Gary Neville. Um oh, I don't oh, know, oh. but I think it kind of it kicked in before that with Kane. Um I loved him when he broke through. My, my fondest memories of Kane is when we had that um, kit with yellow on it. Literally, the, the first season he really made a, an impact as like a world class striker under Poch. Um, I loved him when he was this like young player, but when he became one of the establishment voices, I don't know. I thought he was a bit of a bore, to be honest. Yeah, agree. I've always saw. I think me and you saw us in the same boat with that because I think we feel the same way towards Kane that I've never personally felt much warmth from Kane towards us um, again maybe I'm just saying that now because of obviously how things have ended and yeah we sort of got a bit wound up by Kane by not by not telling us how much he loves us every every second he was at Bayern but I think the thing with Delhi is like and don't get me wrong Kane's story within itself was obviously quite quite a unique and inspiring story in the sense that he went to went out on a lot of these lower league loans and didn't really like set the world alight. So no one really viewed him as also like a, a world-class sort of talent coming through when he came back at Spurs. It's all, it's really, I know, I know we all hate the guy, but Tim Sherwood gave him his break and, and he took it at Spurs. Um, but I think Delhi's Delhi's story 
aside from football and his story from when he joined Spurs and the way he really grasped his opportunity when he got there. He came straight from League One to a Premier League team and didn't look out of place. And I think Delhi's attitude and the way he played was almost like the embodiment of that Pochettino team. A really like young, hungry and fearless side that had that little bit of cockiness and arrogance about them that we're going to go to any team in the league and we're going to, we're going to fuck shit up. And I think that this, I think at the age we were as well, we, we would have been early 20s. So it wouldn't have been that far off of Delhi's age. I think, I think that sort of thing almost maybe not resonated with, with a few fans, but I think they really, they really took a lot from his sort of story and the way he just seamlessly fitted into that Spurs side. I do want to throw another thing in there, which is a bit of a question, I suppose. And I'm nicking it from Rule the Roost, shout out to Jack. Um, and it was uh, his guest, Phil, that brought it up. Um, I think anyway, I'm kind of questioning whether this it, 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 this was the person <laughs> that said it, but I think it was. And um, they were saying like, what if if we do go on to win something now? Is this whole sort of last ten years, including the Poch era, does it became does it become not the the Kane era? Does it become the Son era? And and when we look back on it at the end of when it's all said and done and these players are retired, is it Son that was kind of the talisman all along? Maybe, maybe you know if he scores the winner in the final or you know gets the goal in the last game of the season, then obviously he'd be you know statues would be put up you know it'd be incredible but that that is so true after what Kane put in for the last 10 years <laughs> it would be yeah it'd be, it'd be sweet if someone got it in the end especially after how it's ended with Kane well, well the thing is to give him his credit Son was the one that got to the Champions League final let's not yeah let's not be around the, the bush masterclass in those city um, those city games as well yeah. yeah scored the winner in the first leg completely carried us in the second leg with two goals and was just generally brilliant. Um, so I definitely feel like if you if we were to do almost like a Stalinist wiping Kane from history, we could do that quite easily with just... I mean, I mean Kane didn't play the quarterfinal, the semifinal, and then played the final, unfortunately. I mean, should we already be replacing that mural of Kane with a someone now? I won that yeah, gone. I said that on the last pod. I won that gone. <laughs> yeah, I can't it. fucking stand to look yeah. at it. Replace that with Solomon for all I care, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyone, anyone, put Davis on that shit. Yeah, it's that a it's fun. a really jarring experience to come outside of um, you know, watching Angeball, especially like after we got that last minute winner against Sheffield United, and just seeing his face. It's just like yeah. a reminder of another age. I just don't want to see it. It's essentially a reminder of an, a, a bad era because we, like, like we've mentioned, we don't even really get to enjoy the Poch era anymore because of what he's gone and done. And then you look at the last four years of Kane where it's been a complete shit show and almost like how he left and how he wanted to leave us. Like, again, I just don't really, it sounds insane, but I don't really hold fond memories of Kane. And it sounds insane. He's scored so many important goals. But maybe it's just because I never really felt that connection to him. Whereas with Son, I've always felt that connection to him. I feel like he's he's loved Spurs unconditionally. He's always spoke of his fondness for us. Um, 
So yeah, maybe maybe that's that's just it for me. I don't know. I don't know. It sounds bad to say I don't have fond memories of Kane, but so what are you saying on on the buyback clause for Kane? That stinks. Forget forget about it. Yeah, I I I remember like having conversations with people at the time, and just people were like, "Oh no, but you could get him back." Um, and I was like. Yeah. What like sorry? Why it doesn't even matter if we have Ange in charge or whoever we could have Neil Warnock in charge. <laughs> I wouldn't. Why would you want a thirty-five-year-old washed-up player back? It's like the worst thing you can do. It would cost a lot of money. Yeah, and what about start. if United came in and chucked sixty mil and we'd have to match it to get him back as well at thirty-five? You know, you thirty-three, know whenever it's going to be. Levy's doing it as well. You know he's doing it. Oh, please. please yeah. He can't be that stupid. I know. You know, you know he's going to try, but if he's 37 with no ankles, if whatever it is, he's bringing him back. <laughs> he's bringing him back. Or what, like a, like a bail return, but almost worse because he'll be much further down the line. And he would demand to play as well. Oh, he would. Yeah. He'd, come back. he'd come back, he'd be 38 and barely move and he'd, he'd be demanding to play like fucking centre mid or some shit because <laughs> oh, anything up top anymore <laughs> oh Jed you're triggering me man you're reminding me of the of the conversations that I had to have with people around Ro- about Wayne Rooney in 2016 and people <laughs> were like oh no he has to play why does he have to play he has to play because he's the best player no he's not the best player anymore he's old he's finished and then, and then they're like, okay, well, do you want him to play up front? Because Kane's really good. No, play him in CDM. Has he ever played in CDM? No. The whole country was having that conversation. I cannot bear to have that as a, as a conversation at Spurs. That, that's like a fucking nightmare for me. Oh. That's a nightmare scenario. Levy wants him back. You know he's going to try and do everything to bring him back. I, I, yeah, I do feel a bit bad for slagging off Kane for 20 minutes, but hey, he slagged us off walking around that golf course. So this is a bit of a I can do this all week, maybe. I, can do this all week. <laughs> I think this is going to trigger a lot of people, to be fair. Um, he's been, he's been, he hasn't been too bad the last couple of weeks. He said some nice things. So he's yeah, he's off getting the, back in our good books. Do you reckon it'll trigger Spurs fans or non Spurs fans like hearing us talk about him like that? Because they seem to think he's our idol. They're wait. They're waiting. The first loss, they're going to be like, "Oh, see, shouldn't yeah. have sold him. Shouldn't yeah. have sold Should him. Replaced him." Yeah, they're waiting. Don't worry, that's going to come about. Um, right. The the second question from Aaron again, <laughs> our, our only question asker, but he said, "Have we now played our hardest fixture of the season?" It's quite interesting because Jed, you kind of said. You see, Liverpool is almost more cursed than than Arsenal. So, I, I definitely think Emirates Emirates is the toughest, and then mm. it's probably Anfield historically. Yeah, yeah, and obviously yeah. we do do well against City, but um, again, we're playing a completely different style of football now that we haven't seen match up to sort of Pep City in a long time. Um, just as a Spurs fan, anyway. So I'm I'm intrigued to see how that works out. We, we could either get completely carved open or we could go toe-to-toe with them like we did with Arsenal. Um, so, yeah, I want to see how we do against Liverpool first just to, like, sort of get a gauge on how we could perform against City. But, yeah, I mean, Liverpool, Arsenal away, they're, they're up there, definitely. I would even say Chelsea away as well. I know they're having an awful shit start, but 
you know, historically we've been pretty poor there. Yeah, There's sure. if Pochettino's still knocking around at that stage, I doubt it really because we're playing at home first, aren't we? So, um, yeah, there's that factor to it as well. I was going to say that as well, but I just think we battered them at the moment, to be completely honest. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think we would too. I hope so. Yeah, I, I, I genuinely think they're awful. I just think that I, Poch, I'd be very surprised if he makes it to our fixture, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they're playing. Sorry, Jeff, what were you gonna say? No, no, I think they're playing tonight. I think they're one nil up at half time. Um, yeah, I haven't even, yeah, 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 I mean, Ange for it, so we got to believe in him, aren't we, really? (laughs) Um, but yeah, I think that pretty much covers it all. Um, yeah, thanks for joining me, boys. Thank you, it's been a pleasure. Cheers, man. And, and also, thank you to all our lovely listeners. Um, as always, give us a follow on at N17 Pod. Share, share the pod with your friends, you know, retweet, like, put on the story, do what you can. Let's get, let's get our names out there. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening.